Hello, fellow music nerds. Welcome back to Music Makers and Soul Shakers. I'm your host, Steve Dawson, coming to you from the Hen House Studio in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm a guitarist, songwriter, and producer originally from Vancouver, Canada. I love all aspects of making records. So I thought I'd make a podcast and bring in a slew of folks who've also made records in one way or another and yak about it with them. Each month I'll be bringing you an in-depth conversation with a new guest. It may be a musician, a songwriter, a producer, or an engineer, but each of these people will have a fascinating story to tell about their lives and their involvement in the process of being a music maker and or a soul shaker. Thanks for joining me, and feel free to reach out to me through the podcast website at www.stevedawson.ca. And now, here's another episode of Music Makers and Soul Shakers. Hey folks, how are you doing? Welcome to the show, music nerds. Thank you for tuning in and listening. I'm really excited about this show this month. We've got a guest. It's a, a little different from what we're used to hearing from uh, where we hear from a lot of roots and blues and soul musicians. We're hearing from a good friend of mine and somebody who is just at the highest level of musicianship and has an incredible story to tell, Mr. Debashish Bhattacharya. So I go back with Debashish maybe... 15 years or something like that. And uh, if you listen to the Kevin Bright episode, you heard me talking a little bit at the beginning about um, the Vancouver Folk Festival and Doug Simpson, who was the guy that ran the festival at that time. And he used to um, get me to sort of help him organize bringing in people from all over the world to play together. And uh, Kevin Bright was one of those people that uh, came in for one of those collaboration things. And another one of those people was Debashish Bhattacharya. Debashish at the time was a well-known classical Indian musician in India, but I don't think he'd left India a lot at that point. So this is 15 years ago or something like that. Uh, he was starting to collaborate, and one of his main collaborations was with a guy named Bob Brosman. And Bob was also a friend of mine, and Bob brought Debashish to the States, and they did this really incredible collaboration called Mahima, I think it's called. It might be called Mahima. I'm not really sure how to pronounce it. Mahima, I'm going to go with. So that's a cool record. And Bob also collaborated with people from all over the world. And at one point, he had this band that had like, I don't know, 10 or 12 people in it, like a guy from Greece and a guy from the Reunion Islands and Debashish, and they were all playing together. And it was really beautiful and crazy. Um, anyway, I got to know Debashish uh, fairly well through the week, and we played a bunch of mu crazy music together. Uh, he started calling me Steve Ashish. And also, uh, he his brother, who is an incredible tabla player and travels pretty much all the time with Debashish. His name is Subashish. So Debashish and Subashish uh, hung out with me and all my crazy friends, and we made a bunch of music together and had a had a ball. I, I also remember one really specific funny episode before I really knew him. This was in Winnipeg at the Folk Festival there, also 15, 16 years ago probably. 
and there's a bus ride you have to like the the people get put up the artists get put up at a hotel about 45 minutes away from the festival and i remember taking the bus to the festival site to play that day and debashish and subashish were on the bus with me i didn't know them then but they they were at the back of the bus and they were kind of joking around and i was sitting right in front right in front of them and they they started playing this game where debashish would sing like some kind of indian classical solfege basically and and Subashish would copy him so that, you know, they would do that for like a bar of music. And then Debashish would go back and do like two bars of music and Subashish would copy him. And this went on and on until they were doing like 150 bars of music and they were still getting it and cracking each other up the whole time. It was wild. And this went on for like half an hour. So I will always remember that. And then we got to be friends in, in Vancouver and play together. And it was just a real honor. He's an incredible, incredible technical musician, but also extremely soulful. So I would love for you to go and check out his recorded works. He's got lots of albums out. Uh, that Mahina one or Mahima or however you say it that I mentioned is him and Bob Brosman. That's really cool. And his latest album I love. And it's kind of a connection, a very interesting connection between Hawaiian music and Indian music. Uh, one of the big proponents of the reason why there was a slide guitar present in India in the first place was a guy named Tao Moy, a Hawaiian guitarist from the 1920s. And uh, Debashish has just put out a tribute to Tao Moy, and it's called Hawaii to Calcutta. So check that out as well. That's a really beautiful, interesting record. And uh, so we talk about that, and we talked about all his um, interesting history. And of course, his instruments, um, Debashish invented the guitars that he plays and he he calls it the trinity of guitars there's the chaturangi the anandi and the gandharvi and he's going to tell us all about those and kind of how they work and how they came to him in a dream and how he built them not to mention debashish is a super nice guy and hilarious so we had a great conversation you're going to hear it now enjoy my conversation with debashish Bhattacharya. all right now we need to take care of just a little bit of business before we get going I want to tell you how you can get behind the show and support it. There's a bunch of ways to do it. Go to iTunes, subscribe, leave a comment, a good comment preferably, and spread the word. Tell all your friends. Uh, you can also financially support the podcast with a one-time donation, which is great, or by contributing monthly through our Patreon site. All that information is on my website at stevedawson.ca. You go to the podcast page and right at the top are the two ways to contribute to the show. So if you want to consider doing that, that's a big help. Uh, also, this year we have t-shirts and maybe some other swag a little bit later as the season progresses. That's also at the same website, stevedawson.ca, podcast page. It's all right there at the top. Any of those ways that you feel inclined to help out the show would be greatly appreciated. And lastly, a word from this week's sponsors, Union, Tube, and Transistor. They have some new products coming down the line. First of all, they're doing a killer new guitar signal splitter called the GBX95. It allows you to split your guitar to up to 6 amps plus a DI, which is actually way harder to do than it should be. Very handy for recording multiple guitar amps. Next, they're about to release their 343 guitar amp. It features a very unique 10 and 12 inch speaker switching feature. You can run one or both speakers for tonal options. And finally, their lab compressor pedal is a little optical compressor and is killer both in front of a guitar amp or as a piece of outboard studio gear. I use one pretty much all the time. Head on over to uniontone.com to find out more. All right then, let's do this. Here is this month's episode of Music Makers and Soul Shakers. 
Hello, Steve. Hi, Debashish. How are you doing? Yes, good. All right, you can hear me okay? Yes. Brilliant. It's been a long time since I've seen you, man. I hope you're well. I'm doing great. There's a lot of specific things I wanted to ask you, but but just catch me up here uh, on the last, you know, I think it's it was about 12 or 13 years ago that we met and hung out one summer, and uh, I haven't seen you much since. So what what's uh, what have you been up to lately? Like you're living in California now? No, 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 no. I am uh, doing a many recording projects. Okay. With uh, with different uh, musicians, some are traditional Indian, some are world music. Yeah. Some are unique project like uh, recitation and music. Okay. Recitation of my poetry or somebody else's poetries. Yeah. And uh, and uh, my music, and uh, some are world music, some are Western uh, influences or fusion. Yeah. Some are uh, related to electronics. Oh, cool. So these are things I am recording in either in Santa Cruz or in uh, Los Angeles. Okay. And do you have a place there now, or are you just you're just there for a couple of recording projects? No, I I don't live here. Okay. I actually at these days I don't live anywhere. <laughs> I, I I keep on going back to Calcutta where I belong to, yeah, but uh, yeah. with my family there. Uh-huh. But I, I keep on moving between Europe, England, America, Japan, France, uh, what is Australia, whatever. You're a man of the world. Oh no 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 no! <laughs> I'm um, lucky, and I, I'm lucky that um, I did I did learn. Things much more in life being on ro- on road. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure you have. You've been on the road all like constantly for many years. That that's 30, uh, 35, 35 years. Wow, man, amazing. <laughs> the one thing that I do know recently that you've put out, which I wanted, maybe we could start by talking about, is uh, this amazing tribute album to Tao Moi that you put out. I think maybe. I don't know, two or three years ago, perhaps. Yeah. Yes. Um, so I think what what that might do is tie us back into your early influences as a kid, which is cool. But could could we just talk about that album for a minute? Um, yeah. And I was listening to it this morning, and man, it is such a great record. And I love that it's a a tribute to a guy, but it's not. You're not just playing his music. It sort of seems like a bit of a meditation on him or something. Can you tell me about how you approached making that record and what you wanted to to do with paying tribute to such a influential musician? Yeah, first of all, I must give credit to two people for bringing this in my attention that uh, a man like Taumoy existed in this world. First, uh, number one is Bob Brosman, who passed away. Yes. Who was a who was a constant colleague of me for my, what is called, uh, early work in America. Yeah. yeah. And uh, then the second man who is still alive and very much I wish him all the best of his life, uh, <clears throat> health and all other things. He is a professor of University of Hawaii who is a real a big brother and well-wisher and his wife, Hela Kim, who brought further attention that how probably if there is a link between my 
म्यूजिक एंड ताउमोए So I had no idea at before 1996, Taumoy exists in this world, and there is a link why I am playing a Hawaiian guitar. So I have started digging researches back and forth in Hawaii and in Calcutta, uh-huh. and then found a man whose name is Garni Nice. He he was a half uh, European, half Indian. We called we we call them in India Anglo, okay. Anglo Saxon, Anglo Saxon. Yeah. So um, he was a sweet uh, lap steel guitar player. He was he actually first met Taumai in 1933. Wow. And uh, I met him in 1998. Okay. And I I found all the resources which I want I needed and. I found that the Hawaiian guitar I got in my household at the age of two or two and a half was actually a Hawaiian guitar concept left in India by Hawaiians right. after Second World War. And how did how did that happen from from how you understand it? Like there was like Taumoy was touring through India. Well, through well, India, he was he was staying in British capital. Calcutta was British capital of India. Yeah, and not only British capital, it was the uh, biggest office of uh, East India Company by Britishers to do their export import business of. Human slave, uh, food, uh, gold, uh, cotton, spices, sugar cane, all sorts of things they were importing, exporting, bypassing their country, uh, and making profit. The biggest hub was Calcutta. Okay. And so, uh, Taumoy arrived to entertain British and American ally arm army. Living in British capital of India, Calcutta, in between 1933 and uh, 47-48. <laughs> So he would have been brought in by by the company to entertain. No, no, no. He he actually was traveling around the world by a French lady. I don't remember her name, Madame Curie or something. Mm-hmm. Whatever, I don't remember. She was she took Taumoy and his family in for a global traveling for fifty or more years. They were traveling all around Europe, and then they landed to uh, India and they were performing in Mumbai. Calcutta, Delhi. They performed for Hitler, 
for Mahatma Gandhi, for Einstein, for Roma Rola, the great philosopher. Wow. And they also played uh, in Calcutta for Ravindranath Tagore, the first non-European dark-skinned Nobel uh, Prize winner on literature. Okay. So he got the Nobel Award uh, win, uh, Ravindranath Tagore own in 1913. And by that time, Taumoy arrived, Ravindra, Ravindranath's songs and literature and poetry was very uh, famous already. Uh-huh. So pe- people took, uh, local people went to the bars where the British and American army used to folk and Taumai and his band used to play the film songs, international songs, because because of the World War II was happening, uh, musicians and their families were stuck in Calcutta because Calcutta was safe. Oh, and okay. uh, they, could, they could not travel either to Middle East or to Japan or to anywhere else, to Europe. So all the roads were blocked. Yeah. So they were stuck and so they were also playing with Taumoy in Calcutta. So that is how the Hawaiian music has uh, gotten popularity in Calcutta means the capital of rest of India, right? That is why where the Hawaiian guitar tradition have actually got a boost. That's amazing. And, uh, w- would, and, uh, would, people have, would people have picked up Hawaiian guitar then and played yes, it? Yes, okay. yes, yes. And they started playing, because it's a melodic instrument, they started playing because India is rich with melody. It's a country of melody. Yeah, definitely. So uh, it's such a widespread and... Uh, advanced melodic form in our music in if you call in folk in film songs in contemporary composers they came uh, when in the during british raj the uh, composers first hand trinity college passed out graduates in western music came out and they were they were the master monster composer of our country they created some compositions if you hear them you will think, oh, is is it? Uh, I mean, you can evaluate them as good as Bach, Mozart, or something like that. And who would th- who would those have been? Like, what were their names? Mm, well, was Shalil Choudhury, uh, the great composer. <laughs> Naturally, slide guitar, uh, Hawaiian guitar is there. So they started picking all the melodies and started playing like, you know, that monkey got the banana. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got to start somewhere, right? Yeah. So and that's that's how I have got 
a Hawaiian guitar in my household, though my family was always singers. Yeah, so so was teachers. like your dad, I guess, would have been of the generation where he was sort of young when Taumoy and those people were playing in India. Would he? He wouldn't have seen them or, or anything like that, would he have? He didn't see it because he was uh, working in uh, northeast frontier, like China oh, Tibet okay. border yeah. railway uh, during that time. But he heard Hawaiian guitar playing in. All India Radio Broadcasting. Okay, so he so he would have enjoyed it, and that's why he bought a, a laptop. No, he didn't bought it. A oh. friend of my father, when he retired, he left the city, and he gave this guitar because he's he's not a guitarist. He had a household a Hawaiian guitar. Okay, he gave it to my father, believing that my father is a musician. He's a singer. Probably he would like to have a guitar in his house. Okay. So actually, Taumoy and his ghosts entered my household <laughs> before I was born. <laughs> <laughs> and did your dad play at all, or was he just not? No, no, no. He no wasn't into it. It was, it was waiting for me to pluck and okay. strum, you know. And, and that was the first the guitar that you ever played? Was that one that was yes. in there? And yes, do you yes. remember what it was? Was it like a Supro or something? Like, was it a North American? No, it was a very small, like, you know. Uh, it's a like small uh, round hole, okay. six string. I, it, it, unfortunately it was broken, but in 1960, uh, 1970, I, my father got me another, uh, lap steel Hawaiian guitar, which is, I have, I still have with me. Oh, wow. It was a dark, like a dark brown, dark gray colored uh, with a round hole, yeah. like 20, 24 or even smaller, 22 inches fret, uh, okay. fret length. And it was acoustic or an electric lap style? Acoustic, ac- totally acoustic. Okay. okay. Acoustic with a with well, like a, with a with a soundboard. Okay. Like a, like if three and a half inches thick hollow soundboard. Okay. And okay. a and a and a kind of a cross I'm uh, square neck attached to it. Right. Sort right. of. Yeah. You know sort of attached. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, okay. So, so you're a kid, you're like three or four years old. This thing's lying around your house. Um, yeah. Tell, I started picking over at the age of three and started playing national anthem, Tagore songs and whatever the uh, Indian raga music, my parents was uh, practicing and I was listening and humming. I started picking up all those songs. I have started picking up all those all India radio, um, playing melodies of Western harmonies or uh-huh. uh, Bollywood, old Bollywood songs, oh, whatever yeah. I, I hear. Whatever I hear, I just started fooling around on, on my guitar and it, it made a, such a huge, uh, what is called, noise in the neighborhood, in really? the village. Yeah, and the people started uh, coming and watching something new happening in the village. Oh, because nobody else and, was doing that? No. Okay. 
So then my father took me to uh, a local uh, lap steel guitar teacher oh. uh, who used to play uh, on electric lap steel uh, Bollywood songs and contemporary Tagore songs and contemporary Bengali compositions. Okay. So he heard me playing the songs and he he said my to my father, this is the boy beyond our capacities. You have no idea how uh, he is a born star. We you have to we have to take care of him. So he <laughs> was he was there supporting me. He gave me a few uh, lessons of fingering, you know, finger prep picking and uh, how to tune, how to use the bar, etc. So how did you, I mean, you obviously had got to a level before you even saw him, but how did you figure out, yeah, like how to tune it even and how to use the bar? Like, did you just kind of guess as a kid? Like- um, no, my, my mom actually, I don't know how my mom got it, but my mom taught me basic, uh, put uh, those uh, peak, peaks and thumb on my finger and oh, okay. uh, showed me on her lap. I was like three years old kid. So, <laughs> and uh, took tiny. me on my, yeah, tiny, tiny. <laughs> that is the way I have started uh, my journey. But very soon I went to, we came to Calcutta. We were living at that time in suburb villages uh, and we were not yet in Calcutta. Though I was born in a hospital in Calcutta, but my father used to live in our farmhouse. Okay. So um, I came to Calcutta at the age of like five or six. Okay. And then I started taking regular lessons from a very well-known and very respectful, uh, respecting and loving guitar, lap steel guitar player, my all-time favorite uh, teacher Rajat Nandi. But I started playing Western uh, European compositions on lap steel like April in Portugal, Mountains of Switzerland, Woodpecker song. He would teach you all these songs? Yes, in Western staff notations. Oh, okay. So and, and he actually uh, showed me uh, more technically perfected me. But I learned all these things for like uh, two years or three years. Yeah. But I lost interest in Western uh music and uh, learning and going weekly uh, once and learning bollywood songs from from that school mm-hmm. because they use, use they also encourage lap steel guitarists to play bollywood songs because bollywood songs is a popular song people understand that But I, I 
felt no i came here to learn western music music if this is enough then i must go uh-huh. and then i came back home and i started using that guns uh cannons tanks you know yeah, uh, yeah. bullets everything in my indian classical repertoire those so, techniques so you so you basically like went to the school they were teaching you the the popular western stuff you kind of got yeah. bored of it like you probably progressed really quickly i'd imagine right yeah i guess i learned like maybe 100 120 or 130 compositions within a span of like eight or nine months yeah that's a lot <laughs> and then and then i saw that their stock is finished and the school is teaching me contemporary songs and giving me notations which i i can sing with notations with saregama padanisa at the age of that that time mm-hmm. so why should i pay to the school and I, my father was poor right. i mean economically you know okay so it's a lot of money you know yeah yeah so i came back home i said no my dad i don't want to go there but by that time i was so popular in the uh, guitar competition we used to have a guitar competitions all over the city in different music schools really i i was yes i was going I mean, the, my school, my school where I was teaching, they used to apply on my behalf in different competitions, and I used to bring all the first prizes, getting <laughs> hundreds, hundred out of hundred marks. Wow! And so, at after a couple of years, uh, the um, uh, those competition institutions asked me to sign up in the competition at the end, so that you wouldn't freak other people out. <laughs> exactly. That is that is why they were not getting enough uh, candidates. They're like, forget it, man. Debashish is playing. I'm out. Ex- exactly. And now <laughs> those 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 people are my Facebook friend. <laughs> yeah. Uh, after all these years, those, so those candidates. Were, were you were you competing? Like, tell me what those competitions were. Was was everyone playing slide guitar, or were you the only? Yeah, everyone play. I mean, there in crazy. the music school, there there were competitions of. Vocal, sitar, oh, okay. uh, dance, yeah. uh, um, uh, slide guitar, uh, western western guitar, yeah. western music, popular music, Indian classical music, uh, contemporary music, this song, that song, different categories. Okay. Now, the so in t- each category, I, I stood first, and I at one time, I I was we were living in a small room. We didn't have enough space in the house, but we had a jute sags full of medals. So my mom kept uh, the sags made of jute. You uh, know jute? Is it like burlap? It's like a uh, skin of plants. Oh, okay. Dry yeah. and they, they make sags to hold rice, yeah. grains. So we had few jute sags. So my mom kept all those medals in jute sags because <laughs> we didn't have any space in the Nowhere house to... Showcase all all of them, right? And after a right. while, you were, you were probably sick of winning them anyway. Yeah, but I uh, but at that at that same time, I have also owned a couple of uh, very prestigious uh, competitions of music, which is uh, all Bengal music competition, where uh, the great uh, only Oscar awardee filmmaker, film director Satyajit Ray. Mm-hmm. Uh, gave me the prize 
and other great uh, legendary indian classical musicians gave me their prize and and in in future life when i their support their teaching their giving has helped me to fight against ignorance in my country about a foreign instrument slide guitar and how it can why you are just like you know racism yeah or immigrants problem yeah black and white so guitar slide guitar was a black man in a white uh, hindu and muslim fraternity of indian raga music so i am still like a sort of i'm much accepted these days but still when there is a opportunity for them they they can always look down upon me oh, because i terrible. play slide guitar yeah it is still there wow well, but um, it's a noble fight to to fight that off at the yup 7 i stood in the national uh, talent search scholarship program and i fought uh, in the district and then state then national and i stood first amongst all the uh, traditional uh, instrument players yeah uh but they didn't give me the scholarship because they found i played slide guitar so they they gave the scholarship to a sitar player <sighs> so that was the beginning of my fight yeah. uh, steve yeah. and i i fought this over more than 45 years now my students who play slide guitar they got scholarship same scholarship they applied and they got it my life stories goes in many different directions so anyway so and uh, then i started uh, learning indian compositions and the way sitar sarod play fast thing you know yeah and so can can you they play all the time like you know yeah. like in spain the people's uh, fingers move faster in in guitar than any anywhere else in the flamenco we call them flamenco mm-hmm. music you know so um I started finding how can I do that so double finger finger picking like on one string thumb right. and thumb and uh, pointer right that gave me the power and that was the first exploration anywhere in India somebody played with a on one string like both side plucking So that so, that was not something that they were doing with the popular stuff at all like they weren't into like No 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 they were play playing idle idle couch songs Okay So you were bored to tears Yeah that's so that's why they call me running machine 
<laughs> so you took this the up down. You're you're basically doing like a like an up down stroke with a pick, except you're doing it with your thumb and your index finger. Your yeah, pointer. exactly, exactly. Um, and so that was something that you started working on totally on your own, or or had somebody yeah, when, when showed I was you a that? Child, like like seven seven eight years old, I explored all those. Yeah, I started tuning my guitar in a many many different harmonic way without knowing they are they have actually. A name of those tunings, which I explored, I found much later, maybe 10, 15 years later. Uh-huh. And then in then in the year 1978, the year I have uh, received uh, uh, All Bengal Music Competition first prize, that same year I made my first prototype of Chaturangi, which is a 24-stringed first Indian uh, slide guitar. Okay, so up till that point, how were you hmm. tuning your your? Was it still a six string you were playing? Yes. So, so how, the how, tuning tuning I was using D open D minor. Uh, all this tuning I was using, which includes first string, fourth string, and sixth string as D. Okay. Yeah. So D open D minor, G major, G minor, then B flat major with D on top. Mm-hmm. Then uh, B minor with D on top, then sus four, yeah, like uh, D A G D A D. So not unlike Western like blues players, like those are similar tunings to what blues players were using, really. Oh, I, I at that point I had no idea what is blues. Right, right. Yes, but you were, no but idea. inadvertently you were using similar tunings. Yes. Interesting. But I was using for different purposes because in India, the music we play, we have 72 different scales. Right. Out of out of which, the in America there is only one blue scale. Yeah. We have that is a pentatonic scale. Yeah. We have 64 ragas which are in different pentatonic notes. And that's all so based off micro microtones and yes. Okay. So that is why I had to. I had no option if I need to strum open. So I I tuned those without knowing that they are they call B flat minor or B major. In those early days, were you using a lot of the first string, the high D string? Was that like where a lot of the melody was being played? Yeah, a lot of melody was played on mostly first couple of strings, and people used to use the other third, fourth, fifth string yeah. to play the rhythm or like open you know, space 
just strumming on the open space or strumming. Okay. They didn't use much yeah. to play them because modal music, you don't need to move around different octaves. Right. So I actually explored the six-string opportunity because in our Indian classical tradition of music, we use the lower octave, middle octave, upper octave, and uh, upper upper octave half, like three and a half octave we use okay. for instrumental style. Yeah. In a Rudravina, that's the oldest uh, instrument of Indian history, the lowest string goes beyond six string. Okay. So I used to start running around between the strings to play... Those were the teaching of my family by for singing. Ah, okay. so I was converting all those teaching of patterns and running around through my bass strings and I found a new toy and new way of playing games. And that was? In, in between six strings and different tunings and different fret positions and different octaves. Those were my unlimited territory in my childhood. That is how I have grown in my guitar. So was it like, were your parents sitting you down and like teaching you those scales and those yes, patterns? Yes, yes. They were? Course. Okay. Yeah. Of course. And of course. you would have to sing them first and then figure mm-hmm, out how to play mm-hmm. them on the guitar? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So tell me about how you developed, you started thinking about, hey, I should develop this new instrument that would have sympathetic strings. And like, what was your thinking? When I was like nine, 10 years, my mom we came to Calcutta. My mom took me to a sitar teacher who was kind of a, a person who like a saint. So I used to sit on his lap when he was teaching his uh, students who were like 20 or 25 years older than me and watching them learning and practicing and I'm eating my biscuit sitting <laughs> on his lap. And uh, at the end, when all are, all have gone, the classes are finished, then he used to asked me to take my slap slide guitar and follow what, what he plays on sitar. Okay. Then I gradually, I absorbed the overtones and the ringing of the instrument, which made me so happy hearing sitar and sarod mm-hmm. and veena. All these great instruments, I have been lucky to he- hear them in, in person, in concerts or in all India radio audio broadcasting. Yeah. And uh, it, made it actually rang in my body and uh, I felt I wish my little small friend Hawaiian lab lab guitar could sound like them yeah that was kind of a hunger I have grown in my my mind and my body okay so when I was 15 strong enough a a long hardy guy with mostly bone and skin (laughs) and I start. I started missing my school days and sat in my corner of the house every day, all evening, all afternoon. 
looking opportunity how can i add strings on my guitar yeah like a sitar has like a sarod has so that went on like few weeks and then finally i ma- i made a i i i lost it but i can make it again to show you one day <laughs> Uh, you, you you need to you need to uh, bring me a bunch of you know bracing wood yeah you know the bra- brace wood bracing yeah brace brace pieces uh-huh. and and a newspaper and a red ink oh okay tell me so tell me how you did that so i just took a took my uh, uh, lab guitar yeah and put on a newspaper and uh, took a scissor and cut the newspaper around the whole body of the slide guitar yeah and then i put bracings underneath and then on top of there is little higher like a bridge uh-huh. and frets and the tuning pegs and i i put cotton threads instead of strings okay. to make a make a like a demo oh okay like a mock up what i want to at that time there was a popular guitar store a guitar making company replica they were making replicas of all the guitars around the world uh-huh. and i took that to the senior owner and he was laughing and he said oh you are you are a crazy boy <laughs> look at as he brought everybody from his store from his workshop look at this boy what he has brought and my father was there and then he he asked me do you play lap guitar i said yes he gave their company's beautiful lap steel electric guitar and uh, and a what is called a um, uh, valve set amplifier oh yeah nice and i started playing hanging my leg from the chair not touching the uh, ground little boy uh-huh. i started playing all the bollywood songs and you know what happened the st- in front of the store there is a busy office road people stopped moving they were just like like they were watching on television the world cup final of <laughs> soccer of lap steel they're glued for like couple of hours <laughs> wicked within few months i got the structure but the uh, string positions and sound was not perfectly what i wanted i know it's it's very complex but can you basically try and explain what it was you were looking for i found the rhythmic strings in the front is a better option than the rhythmic strings in the back like in sitar or in sarod they strum like high high pitch two strings mm-hmm. ching 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 that comes in the end of the body on the thumb and those those are I, those are strings that you strum or those are sympathetic yes, strings okay yeah no strum so i i changed it in the front of first string with a one and a half inch gap so those two strings in the in the treble side and then six strings as hawaiian guitar lap steel guitar six strings yeah and then three unison strings with a smaller gap towards your bass after the sixth string yeah uh close so that i can tune it like a prang for different chords or okay. harmonies to use in different ragas to open up the sound and then 12 sympathetic strings at the side uh, almost on your belly it's the side of the right other side of the neck yeah that was the structure
How did you know it would work? Hey, in my in my brain, I have a, a Brahmin. You know, we are upper caste. We have caste system. We are lucky in India. <laughs> uh, you guys don't have caste system, but you have caste system inside your uh, structure sure. of the community. But uh, we had a caste. System. We are upper caste Brahmin, and we drink it, eat uh, Ayurvedic food and Ayurvedic drink. So our uh, we don't have nightmares. Okay. We have ideas come in the in the dream. So, right. we, so you we, dreamed we it? wake up. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, man. <laughs> Basically, it came it came in my mind by you know you know I believe in God particles. Okay. So when you strive or, or we you are obsessed of or longing too much for something, it comes actually at one time in your brain so i was so much in love with those sound if the in a fantasy if it can happen in my guitar and it happened it came like a god particle in my brain Bring! And so the first draft that came back from this guitar builder was it? Yes. How how good was it? Like how, how close was the it to what you? The sound of the sound of the original uh, six string was amazing body, amazing sound. Uh -huh. But the resonating and uh, rhythmic strings they had no tradition, no idea how to do that. So I found a older sitar maker guy in uh, South Calcutta. So I had to play and tell him what I want and he just, he was a magic. He took me like his grandson and he gave me the best. And that guitar is still with me. I, really? I am, yes, uh, that's 1978. That was the first Indian slide guitar to play Indian classical music on a slide guitar, which is not actually modified from already existing guitar. After you got this thing kind of working the way that you wanted, how long mm -hmm. how long did it take you to develop what you what you do now? Like, I mean, obviously that was a the way I was playing the six string Hawaiian guitar. Yeah, actually, I had to I had to uh, spread my fingers little uh, wider to okay. play the whole style I was already playing on left steel guitar. Yeah, six string guitar. So I have had no problem with adapting the additional strings and arrangements mm -hmm. to perform for people and entertain and get my bread and butter. Okay. That was easy part. Yeah. But I tell you, 78 and now is 2018, 40 years. 
I'm still learning from that instrument every day. Yeah, man, I, I hear you. It was it was such a joy, such a adventure, such a pleasure, such a fun, such a you know breaking heart of girls and uh, <laughs> pe- people people found smoke on stage after I played that first chaturangi during that uh, 79, 80, 81, 82. Now I understand that instrument in a different way than I had adventure with that. Sure, you get deeper in as you as you go. I totally yes, get it. Yes, I, I feel yes. the same. I, I totally get what you're talking about. So, <laughs> so, but like developing the repertoire, like had you already learned those classical ragas and stuff? Like mm-hmm, you had? Mm-hmm, okay, so it was mm-hmm. just a matter of translating it over to this new instrument. Exactly. I was, I have got my gurus in my, in my, uh, in my repertoire, I am so lucky. I have got the finest gurus in, in my country, including my parents, who uh-huh. were the really fine fine teacher and, and my ancestor, my defected DNA has uh, the music already. Uh-huh. So, um, but um, yeah, the, the subject was very strong in my knowledge, in my training as a student. So there was unlimited inspiration from the music itself. Okay. And then added on inspiration of the sound, which made a, a Indian slide guitar overtone and tonality completely different from anywhere in the world mm-hmm. that has actually gave me a status right. of Indian slide guitarist as purely Indian slide guitarist. I still have my guru who just passed away, Pandit Bridgebushan Kabra, the pioneer of Indian classical guitar. He gave me his Gibson Super 400, which he converted into his style of uh, steel guitar. But it is still a Gibson Super 400. Right. It, it is, it is a, not Indian slide guitar. Yeah, it's a Western instrument that he doctored, yes. right? Okay. Yes. I, I, need, I need to get like a crash course for Western dummies about the concept of the raga, the concept of like long form song and improvisation. Tell me how, Mm -hmm. tell me in medium depth, how that works. Okay. The raga is based on one modality. So in one raga, there are not two modes. And a raga must have ascending uh, notes, like sa-da-da-da-da-da-da-da, and descending also. So they have specified ascending and descending yeah. melodic mode. It is a modal music. Yes. So the do, re, mi, fa, sol, la, si, do, we call sa. So sa is the first note and fourth and fifth is ma and pa. In a raga, there should be sama or sapa combination. Okay. So da, da or da, da must exist. Okay. Without that, a raga cannot be formed. So there is already a concept of harmony lying underneath the modality. 
Okay. And then we have 12 notes like da 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 uh, melodic pattern which is identically of that particular unique uh, that particular raga uh -huh. or unique for that particular raga and then it grows spreads in different octaves with different accents different timings yeah and then it the way it has been it is performed is first the how the raga is built from one note to the different directions into ascending following the ascending and descending rules and creating uh, nine emotive expressions out of nine maybe four or five or three whatever is for whichever raga uh -huh. and then it is a called introduction of the raga called alap yeah. and then it gets a swing one and two and and then till then tabla doesn't uh, get into it yeah. and then after the tabla starts uh, then we come to the composition and uh -huh. the composition is like a Medium tempo, slow, slow, medium tempo, 16 beat, 8 beat, 7 beat, 10 beat, whatever yeah. uh, composition. There's always this intro without the tabla before the thing before the piece starts. Yes, that's a tradition. Oh, okay. And then, then it goes to the faster compositions, and then, and then it goes to the crescendo where the most interactions between rhythm and melody get more and more and more close and more interactive. You know. Yeah. So uh, that is the performance. It can be from 30 minutes to three hours in one raga. And how much is improvised, and or or is it entirely improvised? Based it off? should be. It should be improvised, like uh, not less than sixty to seventy percent. Okay. Okay. But when there 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 are competition of professional career making, and the time of performance is smaller, yeah, then the tendency is to uh, practice and uh, memorize all your tricks and. Put them in the plate. I see every time. Right to be to not to to pay to play safe. Right. You know? Yeah. To have it all so, worked out. Yes. But that's no fun. Yeah, that's no fun. Yeah. <laughs> Particularly this kind of music, it's no fun. How do you approach like the memorizing? I guess it's just by repetition, right? Like learning the ragas and learning the motifs. That's just you do it over and over again until it's ingrained. Yeah, in raga. Raga is like a conversation between you and your dad and mom. Mm -hmm. You you don't count how many conversations you have done. Right. And which conversation you have done in September 2016, you don't remember. But what you remember at the at the as a whole, how much you are inside in their body and mind, and they are inside your body and mind, and that feeling you grow over 
staying with your mom and dad or your wife and children uh, for over a period of 30, 40 years. Yes. It develops in you. So it's a natural dialogue between you and your parent or you are your children, your wife. It, it is a process of long, slow cooking. And it cooks very well as you grow, as you become sweeter, wiser, raga comes closer to you. one of the oldest teaching of art of living through music it's and yeah. i have i have i have mastered i have been lucky to master it from the greatest maestros of our country and from my family yeah so when i i come here thus i teach my students i am i cook for them they cook for me they go for my <laughs> shopping indian spices indian fish vegetables rice they stand behind me, help me washing dishes, cutting the vegetables. And then when we eat together, we talk about the next next lesson, what we will do. And they, after the lunch or dinner, they come and study with and they learn how the music is related to the life. Uh-huh. And it's a practice of living, yeah, man. which is organic, which has no GMO. <laughs> which has, yeah, it doesn't have cancer or no animals are harmed in the making of it. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, can you tell me a bit about the um, importance of the interplay between what you do and um, I assume you still play with Subashish all the time? Or does yes, that, yes, Subashish okay. is coming in September to play with me. Hooray! Um, yes. <laughs> I will always remember you and Subashish on the, I think we were all playing at the Winnipeg Folk Festival. And oh, yeah, yeah. You and yeah. Subashish started messing with each other, doing like, doing the vocal vocalizing, What I don't know what yeah. the proper term yeah, yeah, that yeah. is. And you yes. were cracking each other up. And these were going on for like five, six minutes of like, <laughs> and then Subashish would like have to copy you and you'd be like, ah, you screwed up. <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> I will always remember that. Can you tell me a bit about your relationship with him and how it's developed over the years and and how that works between the two instruments? He was he's seven years apart at the age and uh, he's younger. He right? started accompanying me at the age of three or four when I was ten or eleven, and since then we he's uh, performing with me most of the cases. If he's not busy in some something else or somebody else doesn't have any idea with another tabla player or percussion player or without tabla any tour or something uh-huh. otherwise he has been playing with me all the time it's like a, you know conversation between takatadha or danisare or takatakate takatakatadha sanisane danidanida bama sanisane danidanida bada so this syllables change and uh, melody comes instead of rhythmic syllables but the timing is the same. Mm-hmm. So time and frequency, which is the most important root factor of music, that is the integral uh, and refined practice 
with consciousness and awareness in the tabla and my uh, shubhashish tabla and my guitars uh, uh, combination of war much of what is happening between the two of you is worked out in any given performance like is well, it- we have we have some we have some tricks we know like <laughs> you know magicians yeah so uh, apart from the finishing line tricks most of the thing are are totally on spot just uh, on reflex or uh, or intuition intuitive challenges to each other okay so you're just messing with each other up there. Exactly. That's that's <laughs> that, that is, is awesome. that is a fun part. Yeah, it sure it it definitely seems like it's really fun for you guys and like even the even in the most serious and heavy moments of music, you're still like really just having this kind of sense of humor conversation going on between you that mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. it's really great to watch. I love seeing that about you guys. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, um, let's talk about your instruments a bit. So we've talked about the chaturangi, right? Is yeah. that how you say it? Yeah. Now mm-hmm. you've also developed some other ones. I remember mm-hmm. the ti- I remember the like the tiny little ukulele Hawaiian guitar. That was cool. Yeah. What's that called? Anandi. Okay. Um, do you have a four string slide ukulele mando guitar? Right. And that was just another idea that you had of, yeah. was that like inspired by some of those little mini Weisenborns that Brosman used to play? No, no, no. That was inspired by hearing ukulele and mandolin. Okay. So if they have that loud, high tone, that inspired me to make a smaller and high-pitched instrument. Yeah. Yeah, I still play that, and but I also made a few in my own Calcutta guitar workshop. Okay, and how do you tune that little that one? I think the scale length is fourteen inches or twelve inches. I don't remember. Okay, but uh, G is perfect because if I tune in G, then I can also accommodate that in D, in perspective of D. So right. it's relative of D. I understand. Yeah. You probably got a D on the high on the high string, or is it a G on the high string? G. Okay. G. The second string is D. Yeah. And G D ma sa sa ma sa da ma so ma sa so G D B G G G right or G D B flat G. Right, if you tune it to a minor chord. Yeah. I gotcha. Or I can, I can change a little bit here and there. And sure. 
but that's yes. basically what you what you yeah. do with yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. It's a major, major chord. And it is it it is it has a option of playing many different things. <laughs> many different things uh, like foxy you can play some flamenco you can play some hawaiian mode uh-huh. you can play indian folk instrument like it's it's amazing instrument i can make an anandi for you sure you should play count me in yeah. i don't have one and i would love one <laughs> yeah sure i'll make i'll make it's it's easy yeah what's the there's a, a third instrument in the trilogy of of slide guitar. Yeah. So tell me what yeah, the third is, one is. That is called Gandharvi. Gandharvi, G-A-N-D-H-A-R-V-I. Okay. Gandharvi is the first couple string slide guitar on the world. It has first three sets, unison, yeah. like D, D, A, A, F, F, or F sharp, F sharp. And then fourth is double, I mean, octave. Oh, okay. So like, like a 12-string like a or a mandolin. Yes, but sliding on it, oh my God. Oh, yeah. It, it, will, it, it will, I mean, Gandharvi is my heart, you know. On the Gandharvi, how many strings in total is it? 12 plus 2 in the front rhythmic chikari, you know, without spice, I cannot eat yeah, fish. You got to have the spice. Yeah, I have, I have, to, have to have the rhythmic spice. So okay. this, uh, these are 14 strings. And Gandharvi, Gandharvi has the possi- possibly the longest glissando acoustically possible in any slide guitar. Why is that? Because it's the energy of the couple strings when you glide on it. That's oh. what I have discovered. Oh. That is why I have created Gandharvi. Because when you strum with one finger, one shot tongue on two strings and you glide on the string the energy between the two strings almost never dies. Oh, okay. That's cool, man. I got to check that out. Yes. You're going you're gonna to have to build me one of those too. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, we have a, I have a, I'm lucky I have a workshop. I don't have big house or big flats or a lot of jewelries, but I have out of my income, of, of my career, my profession, I have invested... Uh, a portion of it uh, in making a workshop in Kolkata. Yeah. And where uh, five, six family, in, like 12 people, 12, 13 people work in our little humble handmade really? guitar workshop. Yes. No kidding. And we have a company called the Tridev International Guitar Company. So everyone should go out and buy a, a Gandharvi from you. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, why not? Yeah. Then we'll 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 play together. Okay. <laughs> yes. You should you should play in in one of my albums, Steve. I would love to. Anytime, man. I you, would love to. You live to play in Nashville. Yes. Oh, I I can invite you to come to Santa Cruz for a couple of days. I w- of course. And uh, record would. record with me in in my brother Daniel Thomas's studio. I I of course I would love to do that anytime. Absolutely. I just would like to to finish off by talking just a, a little bit more about that Taomoy record, just because it's a, a recent one. But I'm also just curious about your, I think it's an int- a really interesting concept of you paying tribute to this musician who had an impact on Indian music, but he was Hawaiian. But you do it in such a way that's not like a direct, like you're not just playing Taomoy songs or you're, and you're not just playing, there is some beautiful traditional Hawaiian playing on it, but uh, you're, is it just music that kind of 
was inspired by thinking about him or how did you approach those compositions? I'm a shy guy, you know, basically. I always look beauty or love or mesmerizing things around me. But I look at it either from top or from bottom or from side and from little far. And I respect and I like to leave them as they are. That is that is part of my personality which have helped me in long run to learn things without disturbing or without polluting things, you know. I can I cannot be Taumoy. Why should I play Taumoy songs where Taumoy songs are already played by his descendants yeah. and American uh, Caucasian musicians who are very close to the style and weather and their lifestyle and their heart? I'm an Indian man. I better looked at it as it was. I have I have been very blessed with the friends and brothers of Hawaiian uh, musicianship. Bobby Ingano, Ledward Kapana, Alan Akaka, all these great musicians, Cyril Pahinui, uh, George Kumoko, uh-huh. and all other musicians, they have given me so much love. But I always used to go and listen to their music. And I tried to find where I am here. And I found some link between my music and their music. So I tried to learn a little bit of Aloha Way I played with Bobby Ingano and some other song. Eku U Morning Dew. I played in my way, the way my heart feels, my the way my left hand want to carries on my strings. And I didn't want to play Taumai songs because that is way too much. I better pay tribute in my own way to him and invite my brothers to play in my album to join and play their own traditional way and I can add and have something from my... It's like a potluck, you know? It is like a potluck. It, uh, that's, yeah, that's it is. Beautifully said, man. I, I I totally understand what you're saying. And it's such a great way to pay tribute to somebody by just kind of interpreting their music you know, through I, your I filters. Played, I, played two, I played two hours concert in front of him in, 90, in 2004, February, in his village in Laie. Oh, my god! And I played with Trubashish, with Ledward Kapana, Alan Akaka, Bobbingan. Yeah, we played 
almost three hours concert and with all the villagers came along along with Taumwe and his uh, beautiful daughter Dorian who was born in Calcutta in Park Circus in 1947. Wow. And I played Indian Raga and he was clapping every time I was doing something. And he stood up and he said, Debashish, you must come back. Otherwise, I will call police. <laughs> wow. Well. I, I, didn't, I didn't do with all these uh, Hawaiian musicians a rehearsal for three days to play all the Hawaiian songs of Taumoy to please him by his, the way it traditionally used to be done. I played my songs. Yeah. So that's the way I thought about the album as well. So I brought some of the traditional Hawaiian song, mm-hmm. some of my Indian uh, ragas, which is very close to the Hawaiian way and feel. It is, yeah. It's amazing. And, uh, how, so how... I just picked up them uh, carefully and uh, picked them up and uh, put together and checked what kind of... We actually recorded some other stuff, but... Mm-hmm. We just picked up whatever we felt best. Yeah. And uh, Mr. Um, what is called, uh, uh, this uh, professor of University of Hawaii, whose name is, uh, no, his wife is Hela Kim. Uh-huh. And his name is J.W. Junker. They were behind this, this whole album. Credit 100% goes to them. They have given us love and all the means they have spent, they have brought some budget here from there it has been recorded in so many on so many tours in so many island and uh, dolphin studio this studio in Kauai studio still ranch studio oh wow well it's a beautiful thing man and and it's so great to talk to you about all this um all this thank stuff. you steve yeah. it is being being so lovely uh, having a conversation in california and nashville yeah i, and, I loved uh, give, it man give my love to all your all your fan followers and whoever is uh listening this audio version well thanks man i must say steve i am a, a really ardent uh, lover of your music and your guitar playing as as a human being you are you're amazing person and uh, god bless you stay uh, happy healthy and keep on giving your music to your audience as much as you can and I'll be very proud always of you. You are wonderful. That means a lot. Thank you so much. And and I, <laughs> I think the highest possible thoughts of you as a as a musician as well. So uh, I look forward to seeing you. Sure. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Devashish. God bless you. Have a great day. Thanks. You too. All right, thanks for listening, folks. That was my conversation with the mighty Debashish Bhattacharya. I hope to see you next month. Spread the word, tell your friends, and we'll see you for the next episode of Music Makers and Soul Shakers. Oh, yeah.
Thank you for listening, everybody. The Music Makers and Soul Shakers podcast was recorded in Nashville, Tennessee at the Hen House Studio. You can visit us online at www.stevedawson.ca. As always, I would like to thank Jeremy Holmes in Vancouver, BC for his help with research, and we'll see you next month for another gripping episode of Music Makers and Soul Shakers. Music Makers and Soul Shakers